May we have your attention, please? Few, if any, of the topics that RSSB works on to help maintain and improve the safety of our railway stand in isolation. Our human factors team, for example, looks at fatigue, both because it's a major causal factor behind incidents that result in harm, and because it impacts our general well-being and mental health. Our risk analysis team looks at and analyses data and information from near misses, close calls and other incidents to find ways to reduce their impact or stop them happening again. But they can only work with the information they have available to them, which is why it's so important to investigate even the smallest incidents and deliver a comprehensive and useful report, one that's easily readable, understandable and allows lessons to be learned. Let me suggest that the quality of investigation reports is, at least in part, dependent on the culture of the organisation, whether it has a safety culture, one where incidents are an opportunity to learn rather than to lay blame, one where policies and processes are designed to encourage safe behaviours. To help make that connection between safety culture and learning, and perhaps corporate memory, I'm joined today by Mark Young, Inspector of Railway Accidents, and Tabitha Steele at the Rail Accident Investigation Branch. Welcome both of you to the RSSB podcast as first-time visitors. Could I ask you to introduce yourselves and tell us how you came to your current role in the railway? Tabitha first, please. Yeah, hi. I've worked at RAIB for 10 years, and in the last two years, I've been in the role of Inspector of Railway Accidents. My background is in psychology and human factors in aviation, and I previously worked in the aviation industry. Thank you very much, Tabitha. And now, Mark, please. Hello. Yeah, thank you for having us. I've worked in human factors my whole career, always in transport, but I've worked across all different modes. I started out in academia as a researcher looking at automation in cars. Then actually, I had a spell at RSSB myself in the human factors team before going back to a lecturing role at university for a number of years. And then about 10 years ago, I joined RAIB as I was really drawn to the opportunity to put my human factors knowledge into practice in an effort to improve safety. I've learned more about the railway in this job than I ever thought I'd know. Thank you, Mark, and welcome again to both of you. I hope I've laid the ground for you both. Can you give us your thoughts on how safety culture and learning are connected? Well, To start with, one important element, I'd say, of a positive safety culture is a learning culture. And James Reasons talks about this and suggests that this component of safety culture refers to an organisation having the willingness and competence to learn from its safety information system. And that learning that that organisation does has to be widely disseminated. And that component as well is also closely linked with a reporting culture and a just culture. And James Reason refers to these as being interdependent. So an organisation needs to learn from incidents and accidents. And to do this, you need to have a good reporting culture. And that's dependent on people being prepared to tell you when things have gone wrong. And this really then in turn is reliant on there being a just culture, where there's this atmosphere of trust and people are encouraged or even rewarded for providing information and not punished. So a just culture really lies at the heart of a safety culture. I've recently looked at the Safe Mode project in shipping, and they've looked at the difference between safety learning and safety learning culture. And when they're talking about the safety learning culture, they're saying rather than it just being an implementation of techniques to learn from, 
it really is about a mindset in an organization. And that mindset they describe as thinking and speaking up about safety in order to learn and share safety lessons, where this becomes really a reflex within that organization. Right. Okay. I'd like to move on now to look at how accidents impact on organizational culture. And there are several aspects to this question, depending on whether you're in the organization about which a report has been written, or you're part of an organization to which something similar could happen. In much the same way as RSSB delivers evidence-based outputs without favoring one side or another, RABE takes a similar approach. I'm Quoting here from the preface to a recently published report, RABE's findings are based on its own evaluation of the evidence that was available at the time of the investigation and are intended to explain what happened and why in a fair and unbiased manner. The recommendations and learning points that I've read in a few RABE reports are quite specific and neutral in tone. Obviously, RABE recommendations are followed up and tracked to see that they are implemented But do you know how, if at all, they impact on company culture? Mm, It's always difficult to answer this sort of question because there's so many other variables to take account of. It's like when people ask what impact REIB has had on rail safety in its 17, 18 years of operation. The trouble is we don't have like a parallel universe where the REIB doesn't exist so we can compare it to. When we investigate, because of the nature of the incidents we get involved with, something very serious has already happened and that can immediately have an impact on the culture or to be more accurate, the climate in itself. And the very serious accidents that we look at can send shockwaves throughout the organisation and even through the industry. So we have to try and take that into account in our investigations, being aware that what we're looking at now might not necessarily reflect the culture and the way things were before the accident happened. Either way, as you say, we're firmly rooted in the evidence as it presents itself to us. Yes, we present our analysis of that evidence, but we would never speculate or state anything that we wouldn't be able to back up with evidence. Evidence is all important to us. As for our recommendations, they are neutral because they and the REIB are about safety learning. We don't seek to apportion blame or liability. And just as we said earlier, with learning being a part of safety culture, that's exactly what we're trying to do, extract the lessons from what's gone wrong so that hopefully we can recommend changes to stop it happening again and at that level we typically address the underlying factors the deeper systemic organizational issues that were causal to what happened because they will have much wider impact than like a frontline sticking plaster as i call it and sometimes those recommendations do directly address culture and i think tabitha you can uh, expand on that yeah i mean i think that recommendations that address safety culture issues should definitely be tangible and carefully targeted at any kind of specific area of concern so we really wouldn't want to make recommendations that say something along the lines of improve your safety culture they need to focus on that area that needs to be improved upon and focus on what's been evidenced in the investigation so for example a lack of reporting, which may indicate a poor reporting culture. Okay, thank you very much both. Can I now look at the specifics of the language used in RAIB reports? I did a search for the word accident in one report and it appeared 11 times. Once on the report cover, five times in the report preface, which I assume hasn't been reviewed in some time because it serves its purpose well as it is, three times in the name Rail Accident Investigation Branch and twice in references to the Railways Accident Investigation and Reporting Regulations, 
2005. Yet in the same report, there were, I believe, 38 uses of the word incident. Within the road risk group, there's been a suggestion that we move away from using the word accident in road traffic accident to road traffic collision, partly because accident suggests to some that it just happened and that whoever was in control or had responsibility couldn't be blamed for what happened. While good practice in safety culture is not to lay blame, but rather to learn how to avoid similar incidents in the future, perhaps I should ask in what way does your choice of language in reports work to support the concept of a fair or just culture? Well, we have a very specific and defined terminology in our reports. That's explained in the preface, as you've noted. We use the word accident where there's been an event with some consequence, whether that's people haven't been hurt or there's damage to rolling stock infrastructure or the environment. An incident, on the other hand, is effectively a near-miss event. Something went wrong and there's some safety learning to be had, but an actual accident was avoided. Our reports then go into causal factors, underlying factors, and observations. And a factor's causal if it related directly to the immediate cause of what happened. The underlying factors, they're still causal in that we can trace the evidence back to them, but they're less direct or obvious, and they typically relate to the management or those organisational factors that we've been talking about. And observation's a bit different. That's a safety-related issue that we've uncovered during investigation, which was not causal, but it was still worthy of note, and there's still safety learning to be had. And each of those causal factors, underlying factors, and observations can lead to recommendations or learning points towards the end of our report. I'm not sure this terminology was deliberately chosen to support just culture, but it's certainly consistent with it. And we're aware of the discussions that you've mentioned around language and road safety. But as we've said, the function of the RAIB, the Rail Accident Investigation Branch, is purely about safety learning. And I believe our use of language is sufficiently neutral to support that no blame approach. We are, after all, the Rail Accident Investigation Branch. And it's reflected in our use of human factors terminology as well, where we're equally careful. We could very well use the human factors jargon around errors and mistakes, but they come loaded with some judgment, especially a word like violation, which means something particular to a human factors specialist, but it comes across as quite pejorative to an outside audience. So instead, we deliberately choose to describe in very neutral terms, simply the decisions and actions that were taken by the people involved. Thank you very much, Mark. Now, you've just mentioned that you identify causal and underlying factors and thinking particularly about organizational culture how difficult can it be to establish those underlying factors so as i just mentioned those underlying factors are usually associated with management or organizational issues and yeah they can be difficult to identify as well as evidence i said evidence is important it's quite difficult to evidence those deeper factors quite often you get a sense that things are off But as we said, we absolutely do not write up our reports on hunches. It has to be based on evidence. And we've developed some guidance for our own inspectors on doing just that, investigating the organisational factors and identifying the appropriate evidence associated with them. And and Tabitha's been doing that. Yeah, so we know that looking at organisational factors has always been part of our investigations. It's in no way new. But what we've tried to do is to develop guidance to ensure that we do this well. So we always need to really go beyond that, what happened, and to understand why it happened. And if we're looking at that whole system, it will include looking at organisational factors. And these initially may not always be obvious, and they'll often be underlying. So we broadly follow three key steps. The first step 
is to examine the relevant part of the safety management system. So to look at how risk was managed and what control measures were in place before the incident or accident occurred. Secondly, we try to consider the impact of organisational culture and how that has had any effect on the management of safety. And thirdly, to consider external organisational influence. So a lot of it initially is about looking at the safety management system. And that's where organisations would document their formal approach to safety. But it doesn't really stop there. We need to understand, you know, if they're walking the walk as well as talking the talk and what human factors literature is referred to as workers imagined versus workers done. So we want to understand how things happen in the real world and what real, real world practice actually is. This is where we can get a lot of learning because it can help us identify how or why a rule or procedure is not followed. And we talked a moment ago about violations and technically this would be a violation. But we know from a human factors perspective, if we seek to understand why, rather than being about an individual being complacent or incompetent, it's because the rules just aren't workable if they want to get the job done. And remember that, you know, Sydney Decker's pointed this out, nobody goes to work to do a bad job. Nobody wants to have an accident. They're all doing what makes sense to them at the time, given their focus of attention, their knowledge and their skills. And they all want to get home safely at the end of a shift. Thank you both, Mark and Tabitha. And finally, I know that our own Greg Morse, who I have described as Mr. Corporate Memory in a previous episode, has a good working relationship with the Rail Accident Investigation Branch. Would you tell us what you do to encourage the facilitation of corporate memory? Yeah, thanks. We do have a, a good relationship with Greg. Thank, thanks for um, picking up on that. And we're grateful for that. So we have two main products, if you want to call them that. We've got our full reports, and they're based on a full-scale investigation. We also have our safety digests, which are sort of short-form lessons learned type uh, reports where we haven't conducted a full investigation, but there's still lessons to be shared. So we write those up where we've done some initial work, what we call our preliminary examinations, but taken a decision not to investigate further because based on the, the potential safety learning to come out of that. But rather than waste that preliminary exam- examination, that initial work, we'll share the learning points that we've identified from that in a safety digest. But our main instrument for affecting safety is the recommendations at the end of our full reports. We do also often have learning points. I've mentioned those once or twice already. These are very similar to the ones that come out in our safety digest and those are about highlighting why the railway has certain processes in place and understanding the safety rationale behind them. I've heard people say before that the rule books are a collection of railway incidents and these learning points that we're talking about are are kind of about raising that corporate memory that you you mentioned, sort of saying, remember why we do it like this, it's because so many years ago such and such happened. So these learning points, they're aimed more at the the front line, whereas we expect the recommendations that we produce to be implemented at a higher sort of organisational level. The reports and safety digests, as I'm sure you know, they're public documents, they're published on our website, they're freely available to anyone to download. For our larger investigations, we sometimes supplement that that written report with animations or video summaries to help disseminate that learning. And we've had some positive feedback about the effectiveness of those as well. Thank you both for taking the time to answer my questions today. We've covered a broad range of topics around the links between safety culture and learning, the importance of having a fair and just culture in getting to the bottom of an incident has, I hope, been made very clear. 
Mark and Tabitha have described some of the difficulties they face in digging down to find some of the real causal factors that lie behind the incidents they investigate and how they actually do that work. And we've talked about the records that the Rail Accident Investigation Branch keeps and the animations and videos that it publishes to make their learning as accessible as possible. I hope it's made you aware of just how important it is to have accurate reports about incidents so that your own organisations, RSSB, the Rail Accident Investigation Branch and the Office of Rail and Road can work together to find solutions, policies and practices that help reduce the number of safety incidents that happen while we work. However difficult an investigation may seem, its findings are the things that will get everyone home safe every day. Thank you again, Mark and Tabitha, and to you for listening. Until the next time, stay well and stay safe. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.